Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. I'm honored to be back. Uh, the last time I was here, I was, uh, came in for the Monday night and just hung out with about 150 guys. And uh, I had just flew in. I was tired. And my wife has always told churches or pastors or somewhere where I'm speaking, if he's tired, you're in trouble. You know, so uh, there's some meanings behind that. I, I just get all... I just get all crazy. I mean, really, I do. And but I got a good night's sleep, so uh, you're, you're not you're you're not in trouble uh, this morning. So, uh, but it's good to be here. I have come to love and appreciate so much, uh, Pastor Joaquin Molina. I appreciate uh, Brother Jorge, who has just been a tremendous blessing. He helped me with some printing needs for three major national men's conferences that we're going to have across America uh, in 11 months. Uh, we will have our first one in Greensboro, North Carolina at the end of October. Then we'll have one in Oklahoma City, and we're having your pastor with us in Oklahoma City, going to be one of our plenary speakers on Saturday. Uh, in Oklahoma City, and uh, I'm looking forward to him bringing uh, Nick. Is it Nick that's going to? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have both of my sons there, and uh, we're going to have a great time. And then I just signed a contract on a hotel in Fremont, California, and then in September next year we'll finish the third conference. We're calling them empowerment conferences for men, and I'm just excited we're going to reach and have the opportunity to speak and empower hundreds and hundreds of men uh, across uh, the nation. So uh, just excited. So I was, I'm on my way to San Juan for a summit meeting, and I just wanted to stop in. Great meal last night. Uh, boy, I, I, I'm ready to go back to that place, and I'm going to move from chicken to steak. But uh, it'll, be, it'll be great. So uh, it's just good to see you and uh, to be with you. I have had the opportunity to give nearly 45 years of service to God in the kingdom. And I uh, give praise to the Lord. Amen. My wife and I will celebrate 44 years of marriage in February. She is my Valentine bride. We were, we were married on Valentine's Day. And uh, looking forward, oh, God blessed us with two wonderful sons. Uh, I want to tell you about the boys. They're men, they're men, you know. But uh, I don't know how many parents can stand and say, you have a 42-year-old son and a 39-year-old son, and we can never remember one moment in our parenting and in our ministry that they ever gave us one moment of difficulties. None. Those boys have been committed to Christ since I led them to Christ. And uh, one is a minister, has a worldwide minister called Bridge Builders, ministers all over the world. He's especially called to the country of Ukraine and the country of Moldova has tremendous stories. Every time he goes to Moldova, they put him in jail. But, uh, but he gets out. It's no, no problem. But uh, our youngest son, God has blessed him. He is a Christian businessman. God has blessed him with a wonderful business in Oklahoma, working in the natural gas uh, field, and uh, God is just blessing him. They have blessed us with five wonderful grandchildren. Praise God. So we're just thankful, and they have... I'm blessed to have two of the best daughters-in-law in the world. Hallelujah. So I think you're gathering that I kind of care about my family, and I do because, you know, if you can't uh, lead your family and you can't 
you know, really pastor your family. How can you pastor anyone else, you know? The, it, it starts in the home. Remember, the church did not start in a building. The church started in a home. That's where it started, really, from the beginning. Let me go back to the beginning and study the scripture. The church started with a family. And you know what? It's still that way, although it has been misconstrued. And uh, we get the idea sometimes that it's that building that we go to on Sunday morning, that edifice, that, uh, you know, that, that, that site, whatever. No, that's just the place as pastor has so adequately explained this morning while we're here as, as the people of God. And, and if you're here today and you're not a believer, we believe that this will be the day your life will be changed and you will be put on the pathway of living a changed life. Praise his wonderful name. So in my ministry, I gave 42 years to the state of Virginia. I gave 11 years to the state of California. And I'm now 10 years in the state of Oklahoma. So you mathematicians know how old I am. Amen. So that's okay. Because remember, age is only a number. That's it. I, I get disturbed by those. My son, I was a little disappointed in him when he turned 40. For some reason, he let 40 years old bother him. And I said, son, son, change your gear, man. Just, you know, everything's cool. You know, you, why are you acting like this? For some reason, it bothered him that he turned 40. Hey, listen, I, you know, I'm on my way to a little, you know, you, you know how old I am. You figured it out. But look, it's only a number. Man, I feel as good today as I did when I started preaching at 19 years of age. Praise his wonderful name. The passion and the blessing that comes when God lays his hand on you. Hallelujah. You do realize that the calling and gifts of God are without repentance. When God places his hand on your life, it's not a temporary touch. It's an eternal touch. The blessing of God is upon you for your entire life, both here on earth and throughout all eternity. Praise his wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, we better get started because if I get excited, y'all going to be in trouble. I want to share with you for a few minutes this morning the subject fueled by hope. Fueled by by hope. I want to begin with a scripture in the 31st chapter of Psalm. Psalm 31 verses uh, 23 and 24. We have it on the screen. Let me have a verse. There it is. I love, I love this, I love this scripture. The word of God says, love the Lord, all his faithful people. Everybody say faithful. faithful. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him. But the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart. All you who hope in the Lord. Say this with me. Hope. Hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. I just want to give you a general meaning of the word hope. Simply means this. A feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. You know, no one in this sanctuary, in this room this morning, is exempt from the tough circumstances of life. You know, it'd be great for me to be able to tell you today that it's the opposite, but I can't. We, we're not exempt from tough circumstances. The last few years in my life have been blessed. I've been blessed. I'm better off today than I've ever been in my life. But for some reason, there were some tough seasons you are looking this morning at a three-time cancer survivor. Amen. 
I had cancer in 2009, 2011, 2000, or 2012, 2013. But I stand before you today to tell you that my God is greater than a cancer cell. My God is greater than chemotherapy. And I've had my share of it. My God is greater than those moments of despair and those moments when you just feel lifeless. My God is greater than any season or challenge that you'll ever have to deal with in your life. See, tough circumstances are no match. You need to listen to this now. Tough circumstances are no match for the inner strength that is fueled by hope. Listen to this. Lock him in a prison cell. Beat him and shipwreck him. And you will have an apostle Paul. Deafen him. And you will have a Ludwig van Beethoven. Cripple him. And you will have a brilliant novelist and poet, Sir Walter Scott. Raise him in abject poverty. And you will have an Abraham Lincoln. Burn him so severely that the doctors say he'll never walk again. And you'll have a Glenn Cunningham, the man who set the world's one-mile record in 1934, strike him down with infantile paralysis and write him off, and he will become a Franklin D. Roosevelt. Call him a slow learner. Even say he was retarded and unable to be educated. And you will have an Albert Einstein. Have her born black in a society filled with racial discrimination. And you will have a Rosa Parks. Subject him to torture in a Japanese prison camp for more than three years. And you will have a Louis Zamperini. Nothing, nothing will propel you. Nothing will enable you to get through this season of circumstances or the season of health issues or the seasons of economic challenge or the seasons of sickness or the seasons of trial than to have an inner strength that propels a hope in you that you can go to the next level. I am convinced... I'm convinced that hope, that hope, see, think about it. Think what it's like to lose hope. Remember the night that they're on that ship and they are docked at Crete. And Paul tells the captain and the crew, it would be my advice that you not leave the, the port of Crete. They thought they knew the water and the weather, weather better than of a godly man. So they did not heed the advice of the apostle Paul. And they set sail from Crete. And things were going along pretty good. But the Bible says that they caught a south wind and they are sailing along and I'm sure that they are saying, man, this is a breeze. We're going to make it to our next port of entry. But something begins to happen and the Bible says that they find themselves in a storm. It's interesting that you live here in, in, you know, in Florida and I was raised in Virginia. We are very familiar with the term northeasterner. And the Bible says that they were caught in a northeasterner. And the storm was so furious that they began to realize that they had to lighten the ship. So the first thing they did is they take all the cargo and they throw the cargo overboard trying to lighten the load. But they're still caught in this storm. 
So now they said, we got to lighten the ship. So they take and they throw all the tackle overboard. And all they have remaining on the ship now is the crew and the passengers. And the Bible says that they, were, they went for 14 days and they never saw the sun in the daytime and they never saw the stars at night. The Bible says that they thought they were going to be lost. And there's a term that is used in the 27th chapter of, of Acts when it says that they lost hope. The hope of being saved. The hope of being rescued. The hope of enduring this storm. It was all lost. I want you to know that when you lose your hope, you lose your dream. When you lose your hope, you lose your direction. When you lose your hope, you will lose your way. When you lose your hope, you will miss God's best for your life. But when we are fueled by hope, there's no circumstance that we can encounter or that we can endure that can propel us to a new level in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hope, hope liberates you. Hope liberates me. Hope activates. Hope initiates. Hope, we can't live without it. It's hope. You know, when I lived in the East and I was kind of a NASCAR fan, I really like NASCAR. I used to go to Charlotte. I used to go to Richmond. I used to go to, to the Daytona 500. I used to be, I mean, I, look, God has just always put tremendous blessings in my life. I mean, how do you go when you're living on a pastor's salary and you, um, you know, pastor and I were talking last night. I come up that uh, they felt that if they were going to keep me holy, they were going to have to keep me poor. And that's kind of how things got started with me, you know, in the ministry. And uh, they believed that, you know, but I'd get tickets to be right there in the Daytona 500, sitting up there having a good time, staying in a, staying in a resort on the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, it's just wonderful what God does, you know, and, and I'd go on back and they were keeping me poor because they wanted to keep me humble and they wanted to keep me holy. And God was just blessing my life. But I used to love NASCAR. I'd go to Daytona. I would go to Charlotte. I would go to Richmond because Richmond is where I lived and I pastored for so many years. And I used to love the sound, you know, the sound of those engines. I would, I would enjoy the beginning of the race when it would come across the loudspeaker. Drivers, drivers, start your engines and man you'd be right down there close to where they're going and they're cranking up all those engines and that power and that sound and that noise and then you would get in one of the corners when they would be racing and it'd come around the corner zoom, 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 and that sound would just man it would just do something for you man oh it was so igniting it was it was wonderful I, I'm, I'm making a point I'm, I'm trying to remember that I did go to school and I'm trying to remember that they did try to teach me how to preach and I forgot everything, but everything's cool. I'm trying to make a point here. See, what I want to, what I want to ask you is this. What is it that cranks your engines? This morning, what is it that cranked you up? Then there was no thought in your mind. Well, I understand we're having a guest speaker today, so I'll just, uh, I think I'll just lay out today, you know. I'm, you know, I'm just messing with you. Hey, everything's cool. Listen, but what I'm saying is, what is it that not only on Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, what is it every morning that cranks your engine, that just causes you to 
rise up and declare this is the day the Lord has made I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it I want you to know that I'm not the tail I'm the head I'm not cursed I'm blessed praise this wonderful day what is it that cranks our engines that wants us to get up make a difference be a world changer touch somebody's life make an impact on someone what is it oh I'm going to tell you it's an inner strength, guys, and it is fueled by hope in each of us. You know, the Bible teaches three things about hope. Romans teaches us that we are saved by hope. The book of Corinthians teaches us in the love chapter, chapter 13, you cannot live without hope. Paul talks about love in that chapter. And he talks about how that you have to have love. If you don't have it, he says, man, you're just, a, you're just sounding like a, an old gong that's out of tune. You know, you're just, a, you have nothing. You can do everything you want to. But if you don't have love, you have nothing. You're nothing without love. But in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, when Paul concludes that chapter, or when the Bible concludes that chapter, it says, now abides these three. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, love. Say that. Faith, hope, love. Now, faith. Oh, we understand that. As a believer, we have our statement of faith. Amen? You have your statement of faith. I have my statement of faith. I just love to speak my statement of faith into my life on a regular basis. My statement of faith. I believe the Bible is the word of God. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe that Jesus is the prophesied servant who came, who was born, who lived, who died, who went to a cross, who was, 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 was crucified, shed his blood, who, who spoke and said, it is finished. He was put into a rich man's tomb. The tomb could not hold him. The stone was rolled away. Jesus resurrected, hallelujah, from the grave. Jesus Christ made some appearances for about 40 days after he resurrected, appearing to men, appearing to groups, appearing even to women. The Bible says that he ascended back to heaven to the right hand of the Father where he ever lives, glory to God, to make intercession for us. I want you to know we have a statement of faith as the children of God. Hallelujah. That is our faith. That is our statement of faith. I want you to know that we have love and we understand love. According to 1 Corinthians 13, without love, you're nothing. Without love, you're just like, a, like a, a, an old gong that's out of tune. You're just a tinkling cymbal. Without love, you can, hold, you can have everything that you think you can have and want everything you want. But if you don't have love, it profiteth you nothing. It means nothing for you. We know that we are his disciples because the Bible says, Jesus said, how I know you're my disciple because you have love one for another. We understand love. We understand God's agape love. We know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Faith. Love. Oh, wait a minute. Paul said these three remain. Hope. Hope. These three abide. Faith. Hope. Love. We understand love. We have a statement of faith as a believer, that we live by. But we also live by hope. Hope is fuel. Hope is the fuel that gets us to the next level. Hope is the fuel that carries us through the toughest of circumstances. Hope is the fuel that causes our dreams to be more than just a dream. They not only, they, they become real. You fulfill those dreams because your life is being fueled by hope. So the Bible teaches us in Romans that we are saved by hope. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians 13 that we cannot live without hope. 
And then the Bible teaches us that there is a blessed hope. Glory to God. In the book of Titus, the scripture talks about that we are looking for the blessed hope, the great appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the blessed hope, glory to God, that fuels my hope. Praise his wonderful name that I want to press forward. I want to move forward with God, the hope that's in us this morning. There's a personality in the Old Testament. And I want to I want to deal with this for just a few minutes uh, to the guys on the scripture. Let's go to 1 Chronicles. Spirit of God just just hit me right there. Glory to God. I got to talk about this. Man, this has been in my spirit. Can I come down here? Good. I like to get down here because you're going to get sprayed. <laughs> no. Oh. Man, this thing's so good, I don't even know if I can tell you. Man, it's a, go to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Oh, man, I just feel this being triggered in me right now. Just feel this being, oh. You know, I know we've heard and been a lot of preaching, a lot of teaching on this guy through the years. His name is Jabez. The Bible says that Jabez was more honorable than his brother's. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I born him in pain. It's dealing with the pain of childbirth. And uh, Scripture says, and Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed, that you would enlarge my territory, my border, lay your hand on me, keep me from evil. But notice, notice what else that Jabez says in that prayer. And we haven't spent a lot, of, a lot of time on this one. He says that I may not cause pain. Mm, I like that. He said, I don't want my pain to be a way to cause other pain. So please, Lord, as, as he prayed, that I may not cause pain. And the Bible says that God granted him what he requested. You know, <laughs> oh man, I tell you, I'm, I'm, Jorge, I'm just telling you, I'm about to explode. Is it all right? All right, good. Praise God. Listen, you know, we talk about the Bible being the Word of God. Amen? It is. It's the Word of God. It's God-breathed, Spirit-blown. I mean, it is the living Word of God. But you know, there's something about the Bible, too, that you understand there, you know, there are narratives in the Bible. There are, the Bible is a book of stories. I mean, think about it. It's a book of stories. The Bible deals with both autobiographies and biographies. It's an amazing, amazing book. But it's, you know, it's the stories of people that I really enjoy uh, in the Bible. For instance, if you want to know about Joseph in the Old Testament, then you might as well sit down, get your Starbucks, because you're going to have to read 13 chapters. 37 of Genesis to 50. If you want to know about Joseph, 13 chapters. Now, if you want to know about Joshua, you've got to get you a Starbucks and get you a scone. Because you got to read 24 chapters, book of Joshua, and you can learn about Joshua. If you want to read about David, you better get you two Starbucks, two scones, and two sandwiches. Because you're going to have to read Chronicles, you're going to have to read Kings, you're going to have to read Samuel, and you're going to have to read the Psalms. And you can really learn about David. Now, if you want to study about Jesus, <laughs> glory to God, you better order you some pizza <laughs> because you got to read 28 chapters in Matthew, you got to read 16 chapters in Mark, you got to read 24 chapters in Luke, you got to read 21 chapters in John, 
You got to go back in the Old Testament and read the prophecies. You got to get Isaiah. You got to, in fact, you got to start in the book of Genesis because, you know, he starts in the book of Genesis. He's the seed of the woman to take out the serpent, to bruise the heel. You know, you don't talk about. So you better have you several pizzas because you're going to be down for a while. But listen, there's a guy in the Old Testament I just read to you. His name is Jabez. Now, this guy has a powerful story. There's just not a whole lot of information on him. I mean, his commentary is two verses. <laughs> two verses. That's all that we know about Jabez. Two Verses, Jabez, more honorable than all his brothers. Mother named him Jabez. The word Jabez means pain. I like preaching to this group. Y'all hang with me here for just a minute. I'm going from the preaching to the teaching mode now. All right, so Jabez name means pain. Say that with me. Pain. All right. Because the scripture says that she bore him in Pain. Now notice this. That's the first verse. Second verse. He called on the God of Israel. And he says, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Keep your hand upon me. Keep my life from evil. And, and by the way, God, while you're at it, don't let me be a pain to anyone else. And the scripture says that God granted what he requested. Now listen to me. We'll wrap this up now. Listen to me. Jabez, I mean, think about his life, you know. I mean, how would you like to be named pain? Huh? How would you like to be, you know, going, going to school and you find yourself isolated? Nobody wants to have anything to do with you. You hear comments like that. Hey, uh, here comes pain. Uh, we don't want to have anything to do with pain. That, that pain might jump on us, you know. I mean, just think about it. He was given a name. That wasn't healthy for him. Nobody, I mean, I look, we know the cruelty of the age that we're living in. Let's just be honest. You know, we know. When you're named pain, hey, you know. I mean, I can just see the way he was treated. He was born in a time that a nation was under a curse. He was born during a generation of men who were cursed. I mean, when his mama gave him birth, she named him pain. Out of pain, she birthed her son, and he had to live with that all of his life. You know, your name. Your name. You can just see what life was like for Jabez. I mean, there was enough that he probably could have just give up on life. He could have probably said, God, it's not fun. If I got to live like this the rest of my life, I'll just go ahead and end it. You know, you wonder why suicide rate is so high in America. You know, people can't even live with themselves. But something in Jabez. He was able to lay aside the pain. Jorge, you shared your story with me this morning. You had a lot of pain in your life, brother. Some way, somehow, you laid aside that pain. And God not only healed your pain and saved your life, He raised you up a champion in Christ. And has blessed you with this wonderful family. That ain't a bad car you're driving. I feel good this morning. Hey, I'm just saying. Think about Jabez. Jabez could have said, forget this. I mean, there were options. 
But some way, somehow, this guy named Pain, this guy named Pain said, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And one of the greatest prayers ever prayed in the Bible. How did he do it? I don't know. I don't have enough of the story to tell you. It's only got two verses. But some way, somehow, he divorced his pain and he called on God. And he says to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me, that you would enlarge my territory that you will keep your hand upon me and keep me from evil. And God, don't let me be a pain to anyone else. And the scripture says, God honored his request. I want to tell you this morning, praise his wonderful name. I want to tell you, raised in a non-Christian home, alcoholic, Parents, a sister who got pregnant in high school, a brother who spent two tours in Vietnam and has never been the same ever since, a younger brother who spent a life of drugs and alcohol and I just buried him. Two months ago, at the age of 58, in Montgomery, Alabama, in that environment, being told on a consistent basis, I would never be anything. I would never become anything. I would never graduate from high school and college out of the picture I want to tell you something I know a little bit about pain I want to tell you though that you don't have to stay in pain and God will elevate you from a life of pain and bring you into a life fueled by hope and let you walk in the grace and the blessings of the Lord I want to tell you, I pray for my sister every day. I pray for my Vietnam veteran brother every day. My father's in heaven. I led him to Christ. My mother's still living. I led her to Christ. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, when things are coming against your life and you're hearing that constant negativity, I just want to encourage you that They'll get it wrong. I want to tell you, my dad and I had the greatest relationship when I led him to Christ at 71 years of age. He died at 84. We had the greatest father-son relationship that you could have for 13 years. And then I preached this, for, you know, we had his funeral. I really didn't preach his funeral. I let my son preach his funeral. I just made some comments, sit with my mother. But I want to tell you, I told my dad one day, I said, Dad, can we be frank? Can I be? Can I be frank with you? He said, son, yes. I said, you know, you told me in your drunken days that, you know, I wasn't going to make it. I was never going to be anything. I was just going to be nothing. You told me I was never going to accomplish nothing. You told me I was not going to finish school. You told me I was going to be a bum. I said, Dad, I just want to tell you today, I love you. But I want to tell you, you got it wrong, Dad. You got it wrong. I'm the only child in your family that graduated from high school. I'm the only son in your family that graduated from college. I'm the only child in your family to have a postgraduate degree. I want to tell you, Dad, that I'm the only child that has not only owned one home, but I've owned Four homes. I want to tell you, Dad, that you got it wrong. You said I'd be poor. You said that I would be destitute. I want you to know that I live good. I'm blessed of God. I drive a nice car. I live in a nice home. I got a nice family. Bills are paid. 
They're not cutting my lights off. And I knew that as a child. All the time I turned around, we didn't have no electricity. We didn't have no gas. We didn't have another Why? Because the money was going into alcohol and there was nothing there for us to have warmth in the winter and cool in the summer. I said, Dad, you got it all wrong. I want to tell you, you, you missed it, Dad, but I know you were operating out of your environment, but I just want to tell you that it's about Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I want to tell you there is hope for a better day and hope for a better life that you can have in Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. And my dad was so thrilled and he was so excited. And I will never forget today that I led him to the Lord in those last 13 years. He tried to make up for the previous 70 years or 50 years. I think I, he was about 20 when I was born. Fueled by hope. I want to tell you, you want to know what gets my motor going? You want to know what cranks my engine? No. When your life is fueled by hope, every day is an adventure. Every day is a blessing. Every day is a new opportunity to shine for the Lord Jesus Christ, to walk with him, to serve him, to walk in his blessing, to walk under his authority, to walk, serve, and live. Let us stand. Praise God. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. Now, Jules, he has to interpret for me in the next service. Y'all, please pray for him. Because he says, you know, I'm going to listen to you in English this morning. I said, well, they don't never come out the same, you know. I bore my heart this morning to you. I just want to say to you very candidly this morning, your name is not pain. Your name is not pain. You may be in this service this morning and you are carrying a heavy load. You're here this morning and you're saying, man, how did he know to say that stuff this morning? It's like reading somebody's mail. No, it's just, it's just the spirit of the Lord. It's just the anointing that breaks every yoke. I want to tell you to take a look at this young man up here this morning. I'm an example and a testimony that you do not have to live in pain. You don't have to live in pain. You see, pain comes in many names. Now, the worst pain is the pain of sin. And that's the pain of being lost for eternity. Man, I don't know of a greater pain than that. But pain also, it can, be a, it can be a health pain. It can be an emotional pain. It can be an economic pain. It can be a, I mean, it, it, there's so many names. It can be a bereavement pain. It could be, you know, a pain of children, your children not serving Christ. There, this pain, there's so many names for it. But I want to tell you, that pain will be fueled. That circumstance is fueled by the hope that we have in Christ today. And I just feel like before we close the service, I think we got about five minutes here. I just want to give an opportunity this morning, if you're here and you would say to me, Bill, 
I don't want to carry this pain anymore. I don't want to carry this pain anymore. I want the touch of God on my life today. Would you just pray and believe God with me today that, that I, don't have to, I don't have to carry this anymore? Yvette was sharing with us earlier and praying about how this could be a life-changing day. I believe it is a life-changing day. I believe it's a life-changing day for us. So just real quickly, if you're here this morning, before we close this service, we've got to transition to the Spanish service. You want to be a part of this prayer, this closing prayer. You just, you want to step out. And the reason I want you to step out, because I think obedience is very important, and that you would just be obedient and come. And whatever, whatever the nature of that pain is today, it could be a marital pain. It could be a relationship pain. It could be, you know, it could be a pain at work. You're not getting along with your boss or the pain of maybe you're about to lose your job or a pain that, listen, man, it's got all kinds of names. I just want you to step out right now and come across the front here. Yes, just come, please. Come and we're going to just have, oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Just come. Just come. Hmm. You know, ministry is an amazing thing to me, Pastor. You experience it all the time. You go where you're not known. You're the instrument of God. But it's like a connection that takes place that you feel like you've been there a long time. Come in a little bit tighter. We still have some in the aisles. I want to try to get everybody down here. Hallelujah. <laughs> come on. Yeah, just come on and yeah, that way. Just want to get everybody here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me say to you that are here at the front, thank you for your obedience. I believe God is going to honor and touch you, minister to you. I want to tell you that we're going to leave the pain here today. We believe in God for a supernatural touch on your life and in your life. Now, if you're here this morning, because I don't know you, I've never met you, I've seen some of the guys because I was here for a men's service sometime back on a Monday night. But if you're standing here this morning and first of all, it's the pain of sin. Maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you're, you're not born again by the Spirit of God. That's good. That's okay. Because that pain is going to leave. And Jesus Christ is going to begin a change in your life. So here's what I want us to do. And this may be a little different type of a, the way I deal with this than you see other preachers do it. But it just feels good to me and it happens. First thing we're going to do is we're at this altar. We're just going to corporately pray for God's forgiveness and God's cleansing. And you say, well, Pastor, that's not for me. Yeah, but it may be for the person next to you. And you need to be an encouragement to that one. So I want you just to real quickly, just, just repeat after me, please. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, thank you this morning I thank you this morning for your love for me. For your love for me. I thank you for all you've done for me. Your word tells me if I will confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So I give you my pain. I become your child today to walk in a new way. To serve you. To have my life committed to you. 
for the years that remain. I confess that you are Jesus Christ. Lord of my life. And from this day forward. I will never be the same. In Jesus name. Amen. Now real quickly. You know who you are. If you prayed that prayer right there, you said, that's me. That's me. I want you to be encouraged with fellow believers, brothers and sisters around you, that today is a new start and a new day. Today, you begin your adventure of life with Christ and joining the family of changing the world yes. for the glory of God. Yes. Hallelujah. Now let me pray for the others. Father, in Jesus' name, you see across this front today, men and women gathered. Lord, we bring, we bring pain to this front in the name of Jesus. Lord, we know that pain has many names. And today, Lord, regardless of what they are, whether it's the pain of health, the pain of discouragement, the pain of economic troubles, the pain of losing a job, the pain of dealing with difficult people, the pain of being out of fellowship with a family member, the pain of a, of a marriage that's in trouble, whatever that pain is today, so many names. Father, as I lift up my voice and I just, just throw my hands over these beautiful, beautiful people today, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, right now in Jesus' name, that you will take our pain this morning. Glory to God. Lord, thank you for the work that you are doing in us. Our name is is no longer pain. Our name is champion of God. Our name is man of God. Our name is child of God. And I will not live with this pain anymore. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our time is up. God bless you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak into your life today. It's been a tremendous blessing, Pastor. Praise God.